Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Baderno. He's Greg Finberg. Greg, thanks for coming on and joining me. I appreciate doing this on short notice. Appreciate it, Matt. Always. Always a pleasure to come on the show. There's just enough uh, sort of like midday news here. I figured it'd be interesting for folks and we could just do a kind of quick one here and, and kind of tell people what some of these moves actually mean and, and where they're headed with this. Uh, for anybody who watched the season opener and wants a really good breakdown, check out the latest episode of Greg's podcast. Uh, we'll link it in the episode description here. Uh, you'll get a much more detailed one than we're going to give you during this episode. And then tomorrow, Jihadi and I will be doing uh, another midday thing to kind of talk about the first preseason game, what we thought from it, and uh, teeing up the future one. So save that. That's not what you're going to get here uh, for this convo. We're going to focus mostly on just sort of building out this young core. And I think the Wizards have done something here to try to address, um, you know, adding some other good, exciting young pieces. But first, uh, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Peach Teas, Hard Half and Halfs. Uh, you can't go wrong no matter what you go with. And we're also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, uh, matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, UFC, tennis, all that kind of stuff. I think if you're a real degenerate sicko, you can bet on the Wizards in their preseason games if you want to. Uh, it's the fastest and easiest way to place all your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games. Head to the website today and use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% off logo bonus and your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, all right, Greg, uh, first move here we're going to talk about. The Wizards have signed Michael Foster Jr. Uh, for anybody not familiar with that name, every team needs a junior on there. So I, I'm not sure that the Wizards had another junior. So I'm, I'm glad we're addressing um, some real needs here with this pickup. Uh, any initial thoughts on Foster Jr.? Have you seen him all yet? Like, uh, what do you think of him? He's the type of guy that is good enough to be in this league, but did not take the conventional route, went to the G League night, was behind a lot of talented guys, played yeah. on, on a lot of talented teams, and he just never really got the opportunity to be that focal point like he would have been in college. And I think that's what, you know, had him fall behind a bit in draft boards, fall behind, behind a bit in the draft process. And he just been trying to find his way this is a guy that played very well for the blue coats last year in the g league averaged mm -hmm. 13 points you know put up good rebounding numbers of about seven a game he, he he can contribute as that traditional kind of big man down low gets rebounds can score the one thing i would mention is he's not a stretch and, and we're seeing that a lot of, a lot in this league where if you're a center unless you do rebounding and and finishing really well you need to have that that third element of shooting and that's probably one thing that had him fall a little behind a lot of the other center prospects in the draft the talent is there look like there's no question this guy can contribute to the wizards can contribute in this league he's gonna have to work his way up through the system through the g league just because he took that route and he didn't go to college so no team is really locked in on him as if they had taken a, him with a draft pick but he can he can fit, and I think I like it a little more than the Audige move. Uh, we we're really heavy in terms of guard depth. We have a lot of guards, and Audige is a great defender, former Big Ten co-defensive player of the year. 
but he just he didn't make sense in terms of what we really needed, especially for a guy coming into training camp that is not a shoe in to make the roster. Um, but I could see Foster earning that third two way spot. I'm sure there's a reason the Wizards have kept it open. They probably wanted to bring in Artish and see if he could come in and contribute. He played last night. It shows how cutthroat the league is. He got signed 10 days ago, played maybe eight minutes, didn't get much many touches, and he's already cut. And we bring in a new guy to hopefully earn that spot. So I, I hope Foster can come in here. He'll have a couple preseason games to show what he's got, to show his worth, and maybe he can earn that last two-way spot. I think all these guys you just mentioned are why the Exhibit 10 contract is especially interesting. And they may not have even had any real aspirations of these guys being good enough to actually make the Wizards real roster given their, um, you know, uh, overload of players and, and a couple extra roster spots they've got to free up anyway. Uh, with an Exhibit 10 deal, you've got sort of two bonuses to that. So any player that is on an Exhibit, uh, exhibit 10 deal can be automatically converted into a two-way contract prior to the start of the season. So someone like Foster Jr. that's currently on one, or um, I believe Jules Bernard is also on one, could be transitioned into that remaining two-way contract. Or uh, if that player is waived by the team, they can also receive an additional $75,000 bonus to join that team's G League affiliate. So basically, this is incentivizing guys to come join your G League team. Some of these G League contracts are not for a whole lot of money. So you're probably more than doubling some of the salaries for these guys by giving them this roster bonus. So I think that's interesting. Um, uh, we talked about DJ Vasilyevich before, the Australian player that played with Xavier Cooks in Australia. He's eligible for that bonus as well if he joins the go-go. Uh, Chase Adige would be eligible for that. And let's say they ultimately cut Foster Jr., he'd be eligible for that bonus as well. And, and also he's still in the mix for that two-way deal. So I, I think this is just like a really smart use of that cap uh and the new sort of cba and things like that like adding the third two-way has been great the exhibit 10 contract's been interesting it's not really lucrative to play in the g league but now you've just kind of made it worthwhile for these guys to take a shot on your organization ahead of somewhere else so um either way i, I think probably all those names we just mentioned it's pretty likely that we'll see them in a go-go roster or, or go-go uniform at some point and it's potentially more money than they would make playing in europe uh especially as younger players so it's really smart i think it is it has Vasil Havich been in training camp? I don't I haven't seen much of him. I don't know if he's here yet. So um he got uh cut from his exhibit 10 deal prior to the start okay. of official um training camp. I think he did work out with the team for a while. Um but again, I, I think his move was definitely all about just adding spacing for the G League team. Yeah. That would be my assumption. Um and whether he chooses to do that or not, uh, he is somebody that stays here in the States most of the year. As I understand it, I think he works out and trains people. Um, in the off season and down in Miami where he went to college. So for him, if you're going to stay in the States anyway, you might as well make, as well, I, I think yeah. it's probably, yeah, it's more money than he probably makes if he goes back and plays in the NBL or something like that. It would make sense, especially for a guy like Foster to work his way through the G league system, because the wizards have two roster spots and four people already. It's not like they have ample space on their, on their active roster to bring in guys and see if they're good. They're going to have to cut two of the guys that, would and otherwise like in other worlds probably be shoe ins to make the roster mm -hmm. and two of those guys are not going to be there uh and i don't think any of the guys that would be cut would be not only willing to take a two-way spot because they could probably find another nba deal uh but just wouldn't be offered that two-way spot it's up for grabs and i like the wizards approach here of not sign not just giving them the two-way spot and and like sh shoring that up they're bringing guys they're seeing if they're good and if they are 
they're going to give him that final spot. It's a very coveted spot as well because there's not a lot of playing time to be up for grabs in the beginning of the season, but come February, three, four, right. five guys can be moved off of the active roster and the trades, and there's going to be a lot of playing time and a lot of roster spots open, and those will probably go to those two-way spots if we don't mm-hmm. get too many players back their pick-heavy deals. And guys like Omar Rui, who is a dog, if you watched him play last night, he just he hustles. There was one play where he just ripped the ball out of the uh, offender's hands and, and took it for a layup. He he's gonna be a guy that's gonna stick around uh, and hopefully contribute to the G League. Uh, and then you factor in there's that final spot that you can move from the the G League to the NBA. Jules Bernard is also a candidate that doesn't get spoken about a lot. He's a great shooter. He's very like I don't know how to describe his movements, but he's very like ad- agile and athletic in the way he moves on the court. He's not like the bounciest guy, but yeah. he, he plays with really good pace. And I, I think you're right. Like the body control is really good. Mm-hmm. Defense is a little bit iffy, uh, but you know, he can finish. He can, his offensive game is very good. And, and that's something that I would like to see more of. So he's definitely a candidate. And then the other two way spot to Jared Butler. I love Jared Butler. I want to draft Jared Butler coming out of Baylor. He's just, he is a great build. I think for a guard in the NBA, he's a little bit stocky. He can shoot, he can drive, he can defend. And I think, all of those things are going to have him are going to help him not only play well in the G League but earn some minutes uh, post deadline with the Wizards. You mentioned Eugene Amaru there. Um, Big Big J fifty two asked about him in the chat. And for anybody following along with this, if you want to join us on the YouTube feed, just hit us up in the chat. We'll answer in these before we we get out of here. But uh, Big J says he really likes Eugene. Sees him as an advanced Cam Whitmore. I personally don't think he's as athletic as Cam Whitmore. Um, Cam's like a top couple percent athlete. Uh, in the league, uh, doesn't have that sort of blow by speed, in my opinion, um, says, why can't he start at small forward? I, I think I would say go back and watch mo- like more of his games with the Pistons last year. He was particularly good against Washington. So if the two times you've seen him were him lighting us up last year and him in this training camp game, you probably think, wow, this guy is, is really good, but he's not consistently that. I think he can take advantage against sort of um, these lesser tiered guys than, um, you know, he would be able to against consistent NBA competition. Like an, a good NBA starting small forward is going to like shred him on a nightly basis. Not that he can't excel in some matchups and you don't like the energy and hustle, but um, he's just kind of limited. He's also older. He wasn't much of an offensive player until his last year of college. Didn't really show much ability to really space the floor. Uh, finally, uh, in his final season uh, at, at Oregon, he started at Rutgers. He, he showed like a little more pop, but yeah, this is a guy that, um, you know, is, is already in his like mid twenties. I want to say, I, I don't think they're going to invest a ton of time in him other than to push guys in practice and training camp and be an energy guy when he gets in. Yeah. I think he's 26. So that's yeah. why I was a little skeptical of him getting the two way instead of right. younger, uh, younger guys, but he's going to compete. I think he's going to excel in the G league, uh, against, as you mentioned, the lesser competition, uh, and in the NBA guys like him are, are the guys that work their way up that find their role. He's not going to be out there trying to score 15 a game, shoot threes. He's going right. to get it in the, like, out the mud. He's going to be in the paint, going for loose balls. That's the type of guy that that every team needs as a culture setter, a guy on a team that we're trying to rebuild the culture can really help. The lack of offensive ability is definitely a handicap that I, I don't think he's overcome. That's why he doesn't have a roster spot right now. But if he can find his role, like, I think of a guy like Henrich Williams on the on the Thunder, like 
not much offensive game to him, but he sets screens. He plays really good defense. He can make a layup if you need him to. He dies for loose balls. If Omarui can find his niche and just play that role and, and find his way on the Wizards, I don't see why at the end of the season he's not our 15th guy. I'm not completely saying that's out of the question. I just think he's got a lot of offensive liabilities that needs to fix before he, before he can you know solidify himself on, on an NBA roster. Yeah, he's probably a guy, in my opinion, that hangs around in the last kind of roster spot on an NBA team for a couple more years. And then maybe as he's a little older and a little less athletic, he transitions back to Europe for a couple of years or something like that. That, exactly, that would be yeah. my guess, but I'm not mad at it. Uh, back to Foster Jr. here a little bit. I mentioned in my write-up for Bolts Forever that I've seen him in person twice now, and he was like good shit both times. So maybe I'm slightly biased by that very small sample size, but uh, while he was playing with the Ignite uh, in a game that had Scoot, Jaden Hardy, Dyson Daniels, Foster Jr. was like arguably their best player. And uh, he gave it to the go-go big men in, in that particular game. He's just like a load down low. He was like kind of doing like Zach randolph kind of things like scoops and like little hooks and, and stuff you don't see guys use a lot. He's got really good touch. I don't think the jumper looks particularly bad. Like I think he can make mid-range jumpers. I think at 20 years old, you know, there's a pretty high likelihood he'll eventually space the floor. So I think this is a really good, smart investment. It's a five-star recruit, a former McDonald's All-American. I'm never mad at a team for trying to give a guy like that who just needed more time to develop, you know, that time and and seeing if he'll um, pay off. And you give up almost nothing to get him. They um, traded away the returning player rights to Isaiah Mucius, who was a nice veteran player. He was basically the Anthony Gill of the Go-Go last year. Didn't play a ton. So you're not really losing much on-court impact. And then they gave up a 2024 first-round G League draft pick and a 2023 second-round G League draft pick. Those don't really count for much anyway, honestly. Like, they're going to sign a lot of these guys off their Exhibit 10s and things like that. So it doesn't really limit you a lot. And um, we should mention that the Delaware Bluecoats won the G League uh, championship last year, and uh, Foster Jr. was a really big part of that. So I think this is a guy that you know can immediately come in and, um, you know, produce at that level and see if he scales up worst case scenario. He's another like Vernon Carey jr. And that didn't ultimately work out super well, but I'm not mad at it as a flyer. So, um, again, a really good move by, by Amber Nichols. That was another thing people asked, um, in the comments of that post about was just, um, like crediting her. I do think that the front office has a ton of, um, input into this, at least under Tommy Shepard, he dictated a very large amount of those moves and guys, you saw them bring in for off season workouts or pre-draft workouts ended up on the go-go roster. So I think those are really who's identifying the talent. And then she goes and, and makes it happen. I'm not saying that she didn't prioritize this as someone who saw him a lot last year, but I would say that Dawkins and winger are likely having a ton of input in this too. So he could at least somebody that potentially fits into their plans. And now with your two way, you've got a guard, a wing and a big, I kind of like that. Um, you know, assuming he ends up on a two way or just another guy to fill out the roster either way, like you've addressed a young, big prospect in some way. You mentioned having versatility amongst your two ways, a guard, a wing, center. Yeah. I don't like when teams just sign guys based on talent. Right, three guards that'll never play. Yeah, Yeah, like you you should be – like the two-way – the two-way is for if there is an injury on the team and they can go back and forth. If I have three guards, like I don't want to have to sign some random person off the streets – uh, like a couple years ago, we signed Greg Monroe for maybe two days and then caught him because we had no two-way contract center to move up. You know, it was like 
oh, we need to send her Greg Monroe. And then we cut Greg Monroe. And then a month later, we re-signed Greg Monroe. I'd rather just have a guy like Michael Foster that's already in our system that we can develop that's a young guy and, and might be here for the future instead of a guy like Greg Monroe who definitely won't. I just like to have that positional versatility amongst those guys. So if I need to pull someone, I know I have a guard, I have a wing, and I have a center. And I think what makes Foster a little bit different than Adige is, like I said, we needed a center. We we already don't have a lot of center depth. So Adige, maybe if he gets that two-way spot, he's never going to come up to the Wizards. There, there will never be a time where we would take him over Jared Butler or take him over some other guy that we could sign on the street. But Michael Foster, if if one guy unfortunately goes down, he will be moved up to the team. He will be there, and if we need to play him, he'll play. And that's what I like about the positional versatility, just having multiple guys at different positions that I feel comfortable bringing in if there is an injury or somebody goes down. Yeah, I think that's a good point, um, You know, especially given the fact that they didn't play Mike Muscala. I think that's more a product of here's a veteran guy in camp. Let's rest him in a game where we don't really need him and the team we're playing against. Uh, you know, both the starting bigs for the Cairns, uh, Taipans, whatever the name of the team is, uh, were, were out sick last night. So I, I think they probably figured they didn't need to use an extra big if they didn't, but Taj is a little banged up. Gafford's coming back from an injury. So just having that, that option to fill in somebody like this, I think is really smart. I, I think you've just made a really good point about Adish, um, really productive five-year player. Uh, most of that time at Northwestern, he started, uh, William and Mary, but turned into a respectable enough offensive player, but not really a floor spacer, 32% first career on about five attempts ish. And, um, you know, below 40% from the field, which obviously isn't idea ideal, but he's an MFer defensively. And that's great. I think you want guys like that, but, um, you know, you already had Craig sword on your G league team. That was never really going to be an impactful NBA player. You've got Johnny Davis, who I think profiles as like that guard defender, uh, you've got a Delon Wright already on your roster. So to your point, like you were never going to play him above a lot of these other guys. And that's not to say that he's not still worth investing some time in, but I think you can do that with a standard G league contract now, plus that exhibit 10 bonus. So, um, you know, I, I doubt he sees much time at the NBA level, but he's a good guy to fill out the roster with for the go-go. Yeah. And it might, it might be for the best for Aldige because he didn't really have any fit here. I didn't see him progressing in the wizard system. So hopefully he can find another team that has less guard depth, that's less of a log jam there, where he can find his minutes, find a two-way spot, and, and maybe crack an NBA roster at some point. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of young guys in development and uh, in in the core system of the team here already, um, Bilal Kulabali only played a couple minutes in game one, but did everything somehow in that and just uh, was basically like an octopus for eight minutes. I, I was just shocked. He looked bigger. He looked longer to me somehow. He looked more filled out already. Maybe I'm just projecting because I want all those things, but um, he's going to be a guy, I think, by midseason that teams are going to have to start scouting for defensively and and other offensive players are going to go, ah, oh, shit, this guy's going to guard me. Be- yeah, like I, I think that's going to be um the kind of thing that they try to add to this roster moving forward and he's like a great way to start that out um i like the guys last night just looked totally overwhelmed i don't know that bilal is going to be ready to do that against more dynamic uh more skilled nba guards and wings so far but i loved what i saw last night and and i love that they just kind of eased him into it and didn't make him play a ton of minutes and i think that everything they did last night with him i think was super smart 
it's hard to, I guess, overreact here because you have to take what you saw with a grain of salt. This team is not that good, but I'm going to overreact. I don't care. He looked like a wall on defense. These guys couldn't get around him as hard as they tried. Multiple moves, spin moves, Euro steps, you know, like they couldn't, they couldn't get by him. And another thing I want to mention is his off-ball defense is just as good. The amount of times I saw him digging, getting the loose balls, ripping it from drivers, coming from the weak side to help, getting a block. He knows, he just has like that, that IQ you can't teach, those defensive instincts. The kick out to Kuzma was really good too. Get his hands on the ball, find the weak spots, fill the holes, fill the lanes on defense. That's another aspect of his game, apart from just his on-ball defense that I was really impressed about. As you mentioned, his length is such an asset for him. His ability to get into the passing lanes, to get his hands on on drivers, on balls, to you know be in the, the right place at the right time. These are all things that it takes some time for people to teach, and he has already got them. I mean, I'm 19, and I'm, I just took my political science test the other day. This guy is in the NBA right now. <laughs> playing oh, against really good competitions, possibly starting for the Wizards. He's ahead of schedule already, and he's only going to get better. One thing, if I could, if I have to bring it back down to earth, uh, offensively, he looked just like a guy in the corner that mm-hmm. won't really contribute. And look, that's Is fine. that them or is that him? It's fine yes. because Kuz and Poole are always at the ball in their hands. They're always the focal point of the offense. Same goes for Tyus Scaffords out there setting screens and rolling. That fourth guy, you really ideally want him to be a floor spacer just to suck that last defender out of the paint, be able to hit the long ball. But if Bilal, like he did a couple times where he just, he knows when to cut, he knows how to move and space the floor. He doesn't have to be the greatest shooter in order for it to work with the, with the first unit. And Denny, it's not like Denny's going to come in here and be that much better offensively. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind the look of him in the corner as much as I should on offense. Defense, he was amazing. Offensively, obviously, a lot of various to work on. But if you can find ways to get him the ball in the right spots on offense, I don't mind the the spacing and or lack thereof that he provides. I think you and I both wrote similar things yesterday about like of the things we wanted to see from that game was mm-hmm. one, how they'd use him and two, the pace. And I think that pace benefits him almost as much as anyone is perfect on the team. Like he, he will be a transition nightmare for other people. Like good luck trying to cut him off, driving to the basket and not getting dunked on or fouling him in the process. And I think you can just kind of live with all those growing pains. I don't mind them not giving him too much to do uh, offensively to start the year. I would like to see more of it during the preseason, especially against a team you're literally beating the shit out of. Um, that would have been the one to just like let him cook a little bit or see if he could do that. But, you know, who, who am I to nitpick them at that point? I think letting him just be a chaos agent and focus on that defensively. Dude, I, I'm, I was so hyped. It, this has probably not worked out as well as I would have liked, but the first time I saw like Kelly Oubre in a Wizards jersey, I was really, really hyped about like, okay, this is where this can go. Like, I'm not comparing the two, but just it's been a long time since we had a really young athletic wing that at least looked like theoretically he could shoot it down the road. And what I saw from Bilal was already more impressive um, than anything I think I saw from from Oubre uh, defensively. So I, I think that's a really great start. And it just... You can tell the guys like playing with him already. Like they all commented on a post game. Uh, I don't think that was just lip service. Like there was a lot of like slapping him on the ass after, you know, he got into somebody like it, it seemed genuine. Um, so I'm, 
I'm excited that they're excited, honestly, more than anything. I'm sure it's great that you ha they have a guy who just makes their job easier. I mean, right. Kuz and Poole are, are already not the, they're not elite defenders. They're exuberating or like using a lot of energy on offense, being those primary ball handlers, primary scorers. When they come back on defense, to have someone that can lock up their best player so they don't have to guard them, that makes their job a lot easier, that's always helping them if they get beat. That's just, that's something that every team needs and every team would like to have. And the fact that we have in our draft pick that's only 19 and is only going to get better, that just shows the the level he's already at defensively. And look, like I said before, we need to see him against better comp. Hopefully we'll see him playing with the NBA team and not the G League team for most of the season. But we play the Hornets next. We have a couple more of uh, a couple more preseason games where hopefully he's starting and we're getting to see him against these matchups and see how it works against NBA competition. Uh, but in order to to make Wes's philosophy of defense work and and like I mentioned before, you know, having those two way spots as like making them work for your team and your roster construction. The same goes for your draft picks. If you're not drafting and putting guys in the right spots under the philosophy of your coach, what are you doing? Yeah. And the fact that we brought in a, a defensive head coach and the, the defense hasn't been good the last two years, that's oh. in part because we haven't had great defenders. And it's also in part because we haven't had great coaching. But if you mesh both together, it's going to work out. And the fact that Johnny Davis and Bilal, our last two picks, are guys that pride themselves on the defensive end, that can move their feet, that can get their hands in passing lanes, are great on-ball defenders. I like that we're building on that. We're not just drafting a bunch of offensive-minded guys. We're drafting two-way guys that can contribute on hopefully both ends as they reach their full development and their full potential. And that's something I'm excited about, not only Bilal, but Johnny was really good on defense. And Johnny was 5 of 5, 11 points in the first half. A lot of people were focused on that. Obviously, I was as well. But watching him on defense was very fun for me personally because – as I was saying all last season, yes, he wasn't good on offense and he wasn't playing well, but the defense stayed the same throughout. He was always a great defender. He MF'd so, dudes in the G League. Like people, people were like genuinely like shrugging anytime he picked mm -hmm. them up, you know, 85 feet from the basket. Yeah. And it's a little different because like Bilal's a little slimmer and like lankier and like he's longer so he can get his hands in passing lanes and gets more steals. Johnny is just really hard to get by. Yeah. And I just I'm very excited at the prospect of watching them not only develop offensively but their defensive development and how they can lock down guys and they're only going to get better. So I'm I'm excited to see both of them. Yeah, I think that duo is is really interesting and I, I know I'm because I've all, only consistently said I really like Denny defensively and I think he needs to be better offensively. I'm somehow a Denny hater, but uh, I, I think that you've got three of your four draft picks that are still of your last first round picks that are on this roster that are defensive first. That's a really good place to start. I, I don't know that Denny is here long term. We'll see how he does this year and if he fits in with their blueprint. But I, I don't mind that as a young core to be defensive minded guys. And you hope the offense comes in around them. Ideally, coming in with two way guys right out of the bat would be nice. But um, I'll take that over kind of the alternative of guys that will never you know be projectable defenders. I'm also not worried about Denny's ability to come in and just immediately integrate with the rest of these guys when he is healthy. So from a timing perspective, I don't think this is the worst time to force Bilal into some starting minutes. You mentioned that uh, Hornets matchup. They've got some other really young guys that they're going to want to get some minutes for too. So seeing like Bilal guard um, Brandon Miller or something, you know, like I think that's like a really intriguing first look uh, at him. But yeah, just, just sticking with Johnny, I'm, I'm glad you hit on that. 
I liked everything I saw last night. I thought that was great. Um, he just looked a little more explosive on a couple of those cuts, like a little more dynamic. And uh, he does do shit like that. He does cut to the basket well. He does try to like run and transition with people. Um, the fact that his knees are back to touching on his jump shot <laughs> is concerning to say the least. I thought we were kind of past all that stuff. Uh, but hey, man, we'll take it. If he can find ways to contribute uh, his second G League game, he was really uh, effective and efficient offensively. And we were like, oh, the first game was a fluke. So we'll see if um, he can continue the efficiency we saw last night or if that was sort of a one-off. But hey, you can't be mad at what you saw from him at least. He was great. Obviously, I keep coming back to this. The overall competition, I posted his stats from last night, 13 points, 6 of 8 from the floor, a couple and ones, really good defensively, plus 28. I think I said plus 13. I messed that up. He's plus 28. But it doesn't matter. The fact that he looked poised yeah. and he looked confident is what matters. He he was under control. There was none of the messing up regular easy dribble moves because he's so nervous. Did he smoke any? And didn't smoke layups. Like and he he took one three. It was an open three. He should have made it. He missed it. But he's not just chucking up threes. Like last season, that was the only shot he could get. He couldn't create for himself. Now he's finding the little spots in the defense to cut. He knows how to draw contact. These are the things that he needs to do. He doesn't need to be a great three-point shooter. Not everyone needs to be in this league. It helps. It certainly helps. But if he can be a guy that's a slasher, hit that mid-range occasionally to make guys respect him, and plays really good defense, that's the guy that every championship-level team needs. Great defender, has decent capabilities on offense, hard worker, and, and just someone that I feel like can be on this team, but he just needs the opportunity. I mentioned this on on the pod I just did. If I see Landry Shamit and and guys like that playing over Bilal and Johnny so that they're in the G League, it's going to make me pretty annoyed because we're rebuilding. We're not contending. There's a difference. And if your philosophy is that guys that won't be here for the long haul are going to play because you want to build their trade value, I'm not in agreement with that. I think that Landry Shamit's going to have the same trade value whether you play him or not. He's a great shooter. He can come in and he can contribute to a contending team. But Bilal and Johnny need the, the reps to get better in the NBA, and hopefully they get those opportunities. Only counter I'd maybe give to that is I'm totally with you in the long run. If mm -hmm. the first two weeks of the season they need to show people that Shamit's healthy enough to play, like I'm, you know, no objection there. If it's January the 17th and he's the first guard off the bench or something like that, um, I'm going to be pretty pissed also. That's fair. Uh, Johnny Davis, like I, I think the thing I've mentioned for him a couple times now is if he can turn into like the less athletic version of Gary Payton the second for a team, you know, like this wing guard stopper that can hit just enough like wide open catch and shoot threes, the teams can't totally sag off of him. That's great. You know, like I'll happily take that at this point. And that can be a guy that's like a really valuable um, contributor on your roster. Obviously, when a guy averages 20 points as a college player, you expect a little bit more from them offensively. So maybe we still get back to that. You hit on the confidence. I think that's huge. But guys are only going to have so much confidence when you're consistently retooling the jump shot and when it's made such like wild swings, like the elbow and knees got weird and then both looked better. And now the knees look weird again, but the elbow looks better. Like at some point they're going to have to pick some form and stick with it. I, I think that's something that's hurt Denny a little bit too, to be honest, like every older NBA player I talk to talks about just like really repping it out from that distance with a consistent form is almost more helpful to them 
than just continually perfecting their form. So at some point you've got to say, this is good enough. Like, let's just let him build some reps with it. So I hope they get to that point. Uh, but yeah, Greg, I, I think, Hey man, I'll, I'll take everything we saw last night as a whole. Uh, I will say one thing. Somebody responded to me about how bad the competition was last night and that Carnes would be the Karens, however you say it would be the worst team uh, in the ACC. And first of all, that's stupid. Um, th- there are multiple guys on that team that were really, really good college players. Two of them did not play last night. I, I think the other thing worth noting for them is they played th- um, two games in three days, then traveled from Australia. And uh, they like played, practiced on the day of the game and then played a game. So they were all cooked. The whole team had some bug. That's why their two starting bigs, Sam Meninga and Sam Wardenberg, didn't play. Um, so like to act like that's a shit program overall, like, yeah, they're not an NBA team. We should destroy them. Uh, I don't know what Dallas was doing uh, in, in their loss, but um, they didn't have their two best guys. So like to act like, there's no one of value on that roster uh, is kind of wild. Like Bobby Clintman will be an NBA player probably next year. He looked like shit last night. Supposedly he's been sick as well and had been good in their um, NBA NBL regular season games before that. So anyway, um, they, they are not com- like capable of playing an NBA team like us. And I, I think that result is still good. Acting like their middle school JV team is a little um, disrespectful to them. Like they'll be competitive in their league. It's a physical league. Uh, I do think it's a little funny that one of their starting guards, Taj McCall, was Tommy's big secret offseason mm-hmm. find uh, from the summer league team. So um, he did not look like an NBA player to me. Sorry, Tommy. Um, but uh, best of luck to him in his NBL season. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched Gafford for the first like five minutes of the game and he was just dominating. Like yeah. nobody was even coming close to him. On he was the a prime shack without their yeah, I was I, I was like, why is this happening? So I, I did a little bit of research and I realized, like you said, they had two guys out, the big men. So, I mean, it, from the start, he was just dominating. And I'm sure, like you mentioned, that's why Muscala didn't get much run. Gallo played a little bit, but not a lot of minutes. You know, you are supposed to beat these teams. These are like, you know, games to just ramp up you in term, ramp you up in terms of conditioning, in terms of, you know, fine-tuning your shot, you know, in-game action, those types of things. It's not to make sure that you're playing high-level basketball. Uh, so the fact that, I mean, we won by what, like 60 points, it's what you should do. You yeah. shouldn't be out there playing competitive games. And we did what we were supposed to do. I saw a lot of positives. It's a very good preseason game. Now the actual preseason games will start. I think of that as more like a scrimmage and a tune-up game. The real preseason will start tomorrow against Charlotte. I believe we also play Toronto. We should have, I think four, is it four total preseason games? I think three or four. Uh, yeah, I think it's four on four, top of this. Right? Yeah. So four more games, then you get into the real action. So, you know, what I'm looking for is mainly a lot of the same things I saw last night. Bilal hopefully starting, Johnny playing a lot of minutes, the young guys trying to show West that they belong in this eight to nine man rotation like he says he wants. And more of the same from the starters, just, you know, playing well together, developing that chemistry, that camaraderie amongst them so that we can hit the ground running in terms of the regular season and we're not getting out to a slow start. I think that's all I got for this one, Greg. Anything else you want to touch on real quick before we get out of here? Um, Bilal is going to win rookie of the year. That's all I'm going to say. I love it. That would be spicy. Um, I tell you what, if he is on even like second team all rookie, I will consider that a monster success for them for the year. Yes. 
when was the last time we had anybody make any of these all rookie teams? So might not might not beat out Wamanyama, but he'll be close. Yeah, so. one of those French guys have a chance. Yeah. Um yeah, he he looked really good and, and also yeah. uh Chet looked really good. This will be mm-hmm. tough competition. But hey, if he's in in the conversation with those guys at any point in the year, like a lot of these publications do yeah. sort of running tallies of power rankings of rookies. If we can just have someone mentioned in the top ten for once, yeah. I'll take it. Let me fine tune it. I'll say instead of rookie of the year, all rookie team. Yeah, that person. would be awesome. That makes more sense. I would love that. Yeah, I I hope very much that you're right. And just given what we saw so far, I think if they factor in defensive impact at all, he could really do that. I mentioned this in a group chat I'm in with some folks, but I, like Jaden McDaniels was the best perimeter slash wing defender I saw in the NBA last year. And everything I saw from Bilal last night makes me think like he can at least like that's a reasonable projection for him as a player, as a guy who could make an all defense team at some point here during his career. So I hope even if he's 80% of that, that's still a really valuable guy to start a rebuild with. Don't agree more. Uh, Greg, where can people find the new podcast? I think this is the first time you've been on this show since starting it off. It's been great so far. I have not listened to this most recent episode yet, but that is on my to-do list today. Uh, Where do people check it out? It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's the Wizards Podcast. Pretty simple title, pretty bland, but look straight to the point. You know you're going to be getting stuff about the Wizards. So it's the Wizards Podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Just did an episode with Damo. Also, great Wizards Twitter follow, great insight. So check that out. And then it's just at Greg Fenberg on Twitter, you know, live tweeting games, posting about them, hopefully covering them in person. So yeah, just, you know, follow me if you like Wizards stuff. Also, obviously, Make sure you're following this podcast. I've listened ever since this podcast started, actually. I was, I think I might have been one of the first listeners. It's okay. been one of my favorites. Listened it uh, for as long as I can remember. Jihadi has been an un- unbelievable addition. Just the little nuggets he drops about basketball and from a player's perspective. So not only mine, but make sure, obviously, you're listening to every episode of Believe and the new Believe in DMV Hoops. Awesome Thanks, podcast. Awesome yeah, I appreciate podcast. that. Yeah, for anybody uh, who has liked those on this Believe in Wizards feed, it is spun off into its own separate feed. So if you want to hear more about um, basketball, I've got a couple other D1 head coaches in the area lined up here. So we're going to try to hit everybody. Terps are ducking me a little bit right now, which is offensive from an alum, but I'm going to pull something off there, I think. But uh, yeah, thanks, Greg. Really appreciate that, man. Always enjoy our interactions. And I think if uh, people are looking to buy stock, uh, similar to to what we're doing with Bilal, if you want to buy it in the media space, Greg, you are the youngest guy in Wizards media coverage. Uh, so you and Bilal got a, a long, mm-hmm. um, you know, tethered history here together moving forward, I hope, of, of just being the up-and-comers uh, in the mix. So um, great yeah. work so far, man. hope so, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Rate, re- uh, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, everybody. We are presented by betonline.ag, and we will catch you all next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube